This episode is sponsored by Katrina Burke Coaching, helping caring professionals create a life of balance and flow. Katrina has a range of programs available for teachers and school leaders. And for more information, head on over to katrinaburkecoaching.com.au. Katrina Burke Coaching, evolve, transform, thrive. This is the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast, a weekly show to help you prioritize your health, happiness, and well-being so that you can thrive in the classroom and in life. I'm your host, Ellen Ronalds Keane. Enjoy the podcast. Hello, everyone. Today, I'm talking about the three thinking traps that sabotage your well-being as a teacher and my goodness... I see these all the time and I experience them myself, so please don't feel like you're alone in it. Uh, But before we get to that, let's do the review of the week, and this time it comes from Katie, who says, Every episode expands my thinking and encourages me to be my best self. After binge listening to the first two seasons on a road trip, I now start many of my school days listening to Ellen as she shares her infectious and inspiring passion for teacher well-being. Knowledgeable guests and useful realistic content make this a podcast to add to your favourites. I find myself exclaiming, me too, and that's so true, to no one in particular as I listen at home or in the car. Teachers, share this around because in order to care about our job, we need to take care of ourselves. Also, if you have a story to share, reach out to Ellen. I did in season three and my life is richer because of it. And thank you so much for that lovely review, Katie. Uh, My life is richer because of it too. And you can hear Katie's story in season three. And she did actually just reach out to me after hearing me ask for people to do that in season two. And um, we had her on the show because she had a great uh, health and well-being story to share. So I'm so grateful, Katie, that you reached out. And if you, if other listeners have a story to share about your own health and well-being and you want to share it, you know, and your journey as a teacher and overcoming challenges with your health and well-being, please do send me an email, ellen at selfcareforteachers.com.au, and we will organize it for the next season. Because, um, yeah, I, I love sharing teacher stories, so I'd love to hear from you. And I'd also love to get some more reviews, because I think I've now read out every review that I've got so far. Um, so if you haven't yet and you've been meaning to, please do go to your podcast app and leave an honest rating and review for the show. It truly does help. And it's also great to get your feedback so that I can continue to deliver podcasts that serve and support you going forwards. And it will also mean that I will have lots of reviews to read out in the review of the week segment next season. Now, speaking of next season, this is going to be the last episode of season four. And as you probably know from following me on social media and reading my newsletter, um, I've had a bit of a bumpy couple of months health-wise, and uh, so I'm taking a little bit of time off just to recalibrate and focus on some other work and, uh, yeah, get my health back on track. I've been really working on my sleep because that's been a big issue for me, which has then been having huge flow-on effects with anxiety, or maybe it's vice versa, I don't know. Uh, And I'm really about to dive back into the rabbit hole that is improving my gut microbiome. So 
I'll keep you posted on social media and I will definitely be sharing updates in the next season and I've got some cool guests lined up to talk about those things too. Uh, but if you're not already following me on Facebook and Instagram or if you're not subscribed to the Self-Care for Teachers newsletter, I'd like to invite you to do so between seasons because I really have some cool things planned for early 19, early 2019 including a bit of a rebrand and some new programs. And that's where you'll hear about them first, uh, including if you are a newsletter subscriber, that is where you will get early bird specials of the self-care year, self yearly planner for teachers and the January sustainable self-care challenge that I'm running. So I'll pop a link in the show notes to the newsletter. You can click away and then you won't miss out on those specials. And uh, you also won't miss out on any other updates about the podcasts that come out, you know, between seasons. Although now that I have figured out how to do, they've got little teaser episode options in my podcast host, you might get a few of those coming through. Uh, but yeah, exciting things coming for 2019. So watch this space or listen to this space as the case may be. Speaking of listening, uh, let's talk about audiobooks. So if you like listening to podcasts, then I think it's a really safe bet that, like me, you will be a fan of audiobooks. And in my opinion, the best place on the internet for audiobooks is Audible. And for you, the listeners of the Teacher Wellbeing podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. So you can download your first audiobook for free by trying Audible today. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash teacher wellbeing. And I personally recommend Audible because I have been a member for like a decade now. Uh, and so my book recommendation this week is one that I'm only halfway through, but I'm pretty confident recommending it to you because I'm loving every minute of it so far, but also because it's freaking Brene Brown and you just can't really go wrong with Brene Brown if you ask me. So I recommend this week her new book, Dare to Lead. And it is very new. It came out last week, I think. Maybe the week before. Anyway, it's very new and it's very excellent. Uh, and if you're following me on social media, you've probably seen me post about it a couple of times uh, in the last couple of weeks because it's brilliant. And if you are a school leader, you must read this book. It's called Dare to Lead and it is all about leadership and it is fantastic. But even if you're not a school leader, there is so much in it for everybody. Uh, and you know, besides whether or not we have an official title, we are all leaders anyway of our students, of our communities and of ourselves. And personal leadership is so important in today's world. So this book is just hugely relevant and very, very timely. Uh, and I highly, highly recommend it. And as with Deep Work by Cal Newport, which is the one I recommended last week, Dare to Lead by Brene Brown has also given me some really sort of some ahas, um, and it's kind of crystallized a couple of things for me about where I want to take self-care for teachers in 2019 and what I will include in, in yeah, there's a couple of new programs that I'm putting together for teachers next year. So watch this space really. And in the meantime, go to audibletrial.com forward slash teacher wellbeing and download Dare to Lead by Brene Brown for free when you sign up for a free 30-day trial of Audible or you could get any other one of the thousands of uh, books that they have in their library. Um, and again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash teacher wellbeing for your free audiobook. And a thank you to Audible for supporting the podcast this season. And thank you also to all my sponsors. So Daniela from Teacher Wellbeing and Katrina from Katrina Burke Coaching. 
this podcast really wouldn't happen without them. And I also need to give a big shout out to my Patreon uh, supporters. If you are not yet supporting the show on Patreon and you want to, head on over to Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash self-care for teachers. You can support the show for as little as $2 a month. It is two US dollars, which I know is really annoying. But anyway, I so appreciate it because podcasts are free to listen to, but they are not free to make. So I really do want to be, give a big shout out to Kirsty and Jane for your continued support. And yeah, just thanks, basically, because this show wouldn't happen without the support of you know, a little bit of financial help as well as all the wonderful reviews and and, uh, feedback that I get from people as well. Okay, let's talk about three thinking traps that sabotage your well-being as a teacher and some ways to help yourself get untrapped, basically. And remember that these are really normal, really common. So if you experience these, just know that you're in good company. Um, Of course, it's not an exhaustive list, but there are you know, these are the top three that I see and I think it's really useful to identify them so that we can get out of the trap. Um, And I've heard Katrina Burke say that we have to name it to tame it when it comes to talking about our emotions. Uh, And I think it applies here too. Once we are aware of these thinking traps, once we have named them, then we can tame them. We can catch ourselves in the act and redirect our thoughts to be more conducive to supporting our self-care and our health and happiness and our well-being instead of you know sabotaging it and sabotaging our healthy habits so the thinking trap number one is us versus them thinking also you could think of it as either or thinking but I think us versus them is very common in the teaching profession you know it's a huge issue um, and I've been there I get it I know how seductive this thinking trap is um, and I also know how much it can really infiltrate the culture of schools. Um, Who the them is in this us versus them, it does depend. Maybe it's your students, you know, especially the ones that have really strong behavioural issues and just drive you mad. Maybe it's their parents who are really demanding and really rude. Um, Maybe it's a particular colleague who is just a total pain in the neck. Maybe, and actually it's probably because this is so common, it's your school administration. They're not supportive of their staff, uh, and that's why your well-being is, you know, flagging. Um, now, of course, if you are in a leadership position, it could be just the opposite. The problem is your staff because they're difficult, and you know you can't implement anything that the department tells you to because the staff just refuse. Um, so that the us versus them thing goes on both sides of the teaching staff or school staff versus administrative staff debate. Um, and you know the last one. And this is a really another really common one. You know, it's when we think that the problem is the education system at large. The them in our us versus them is the education system, the standardised testing, the lack of good funding, politicians making bad decisions. You know, that's the them. Um, and the problem, the trap with this kind of thinking is that it keeps us stuck. The underlying message is that because of some external factor or circumstance that we can't control, we are powerless. You know, because that thing is happening, I'm stuck. I'm I'm powerless. And it is just not true. I want to make clear, though, I'm not saying that the external factor or circumstance doesn't exist. Maybe little Johnny or little Jessica 
is a total nightmare in the classroom. And maybe her mum is a bully and verbally abuses you all the time. And maybe your colleague is shirking their work and you have to pick up the slack. And maybe your school administration team is incompetent and they are not supporting the school staff. Or, you know, flip it, maybe you're the leader and your staff are oppositional and they do block every new initiative you try to implement that is, you know, either mandatory from your department or something that you think will really, really help. And yes, there are very definite issues in our education system at large. Standardised testing is problematic. We do have huge funding gaps in Australian public schools. And politicians do make bad decisions about education all the time. So what? Right? What do you do? You just throw up your hands in defeat and go, well, us first them. I can't do anything about it. That's the way it is. So you finish off another bottle of wine or another block of chocolate or both and you stay up until 3am binging Netflix on a school night and you generally take no responsibility for your health and well-being altogether because you just blame it all on that them. And you can do that if you like. You can blame it all on them, but it's total self-sabotage. It sucks, but the truth is that even amidst all those problems, and they do exist, I'm not denying that they exist, they do exist, but even amidst all those problems, you have power and control over your decisions. Sometimes you've completely run out of emotional and physical resources, and you really don't feel that you can take any steps for yourself. That's burnout. That's demoralization. That's depression. That's anxiety and other mental health concerns. And when that's the case, you need to ask for help. You need to speak to somebody trusted, go and see your doctor, get a mental health care plan, call the employee advisory line for your state. You know, you need to get out of that us and them thinking in that situation so that you actually ask for help. Don't stay by yourself. You are not an island. Ask for help. And then the rest of the time, if that's not where, if you're not in that state of really not being able to manage on your own, at the very least, you can change your thinking about the situation. It's hard, but we can do it. It doesn't necessarily make any difference externally. You know, changing your thinking doesn't necessarily change the circumstance or the person that's causing you such difficulty. But it can make a difference to your experience of the situation. It really can. It's not easy. I'm not going to lie. It's really, really difficult. And that's where, you know, getting help can also be valuable. If you want a guide, uh, a coach or a counsellor, somebody that can help you reframe and, and refocus where you want to focus that's more you know, empowered and more more positive than just getting stuck in that blame and shame cycle. And if it is a difficult person that you're dealing with, I invite you to go back and listen to season three, episode four, which is all about dealing with difficult people. And I also, another book recommendation, I highly recommend Harriet Lerner's books, The Dance of Anger and The Dance of Connection. Um, one of my favorite quotes from them is, there is nothing wrong with wanting to change someone else. The problem is it usually doesn't work. So, you know, we can rail against that all the time and just get stuck in that thinking of us versus them. But it just keeps us stuck because we can't actually change anybody else. And 
usually if we're in that place, we're not likely to be acting in a way that is likely to encourage others to change or, you know, make positive changes in the situation. So the trap is that us and them thinking, you know, keeping us stuck that because the school admin team don't have a well-being program in place, my health sucks, or because the parent of one of my students is a complete bully, I can't set any boundaries. Um, you know, it's that kind of thinking. And that's not obvious. It's a bit more subconscious than that, but that is what's going on. Um, and the way to get yourself unstuck and out of that trap is just to remind yourself two things, and they're kind of paradoxical paradoxical but two things firstly the only person I can control is myself and secondly we are all connected and again I'm going to refer back to Harriet Lerner and a quote from the book The Dance of Anger she says we cannot make another person change his or her steps to the old dance but if we change our own steps the dance can no longer continue in the same predictable pattern so if you're stuck in this thinking trap of us versus them Turn your focus away from that external factor, that circumstance or that person and come back to you, to what you can control. What is one thing that you can do today to improve your life, your health and your well-being? When you stay focused on what you can control and the steps that you can take to change the dance, it changes your experience of the situation regardless of what happens externally. But it, you know, as Harriet Lerner says, you change your steps in the dance and the dance can't be the same as it was. It may not be where you want it to be, but it can't be the same as it was. So that's number one. The trap is getting stuck in that us and them thinking and then letting it, you know, paralyze you and keeping you stuck. And the way to get out of it is to focus back on you. What can you control? And then remember that we're all connected. So if you make a shift, it does have a flow on effect. Okay, thinking trap number two. When X, then I'll Y. When X happens, then I will do Y. So for example, when I lose 10 kilos, then I will go on that beach holiday. When I get that new thing, that new car, that new house, that new outfit, then I'll be happy. When I've cleared my inbox, then I'll go to bed. <laughs> and of course, the very common when it's school holidays, then I'll take care of myself. Sound familiar? <laughs> it's such a huge sabotage in terms of your health and happiness and your well-being. It's so common for teachers. You know, constantly getting caught in this trap of thinking that whatever it is that you want or need is just around the corner, but it's not here or now. You can't have it now. It's, it's just around the corner. It's just over that bend. It's when you get that thing or when it is that time. And okay, sure, sometimes it's a busy week and, you know, there's not long left till holidays and we do just need to decide not to do the thing until the holidays. You're like, just put that off for a week and I'll do that on, you know, the first Monday of the holidays, which is only 10 days away. Uh, yeah, definitely that happens. But many of us take it to the extreme. It is so common for teachers to let all their healthy habits slide for most of each term. And that's a problem because if you only look after your health and well-being in the school holidays, that's an awful lot of your life that you're not looking after your health and well-being. I remember one of my very experienced colleagues, Beryl, said something to me in my second year of teaching that really, really, really stuck with me. Somebody else in the staff room had been counting down till the holidays and 
of course, you know, there's, there's benefit in that. It's nice to have something to look forward to. We all look forward to the holidays. But on this particular day, this person had said it in a way that made it clear that they really hated the day-to-day life of school term and they were living for the holidays. And, you know, Beryl said later, thinking like that, you will wish your life away. And it really hit me because it's true. Of course, we all look forward to the holidays, but term time is most of our lives. So if we are living for the holidays, we are really missing out on a lot of our lives. And we have to find ways to look after ourselves during the term too, because it's most of our lives. We've got to find a baseline of healthy habits that we can stick to so we can actually get to the end of term with some gas left in the tank. The other problem with this kind of when X happens, then I will Y thinking is that so many of us use it in a way that suggests that we have to earn our self-care through hard work. As in, when I get through my to-do list, then I'll go to bed. When my lesson plans are, you know, finished, but really we mean perfect, then I'll go to yoga. When I finish the report cards, you know, later in the week, then I'll have a bath. When I've lost 10 kilos, then I'll go to the beach. And that's problematic because it basically suggests that we are not enough as we are, that we don't deserve our self-care or even pleasure until we're totally depleted, which it's just false. Sure, it's nice to have something set up for a reward when the report cards are finished. Absolutely. But don't deny yourself your own care because there is still work left to do tomorrow or next week. There will always be work to do, but your ability to do it actually depends on how well you care for yourself. You can't pour from an empty cup. I find that this when X, then Y thinking happens, you know, with regards to well-being and healthy habits, it often stems from a belief that self-care is selfish, that self-care is indulgence. And I am here to tell you that it is not. Literally, that is my aim with self-care for teachers. That's pretty much my only message. Um, I want you to know that you are enough already, always, just as you are. And you are worthy of your own care right now, no matter how imperfect your body or your lesson plans or your life or your clutter or your paperwork, you are enough. The to-do list will never be done. Not really. It's up to you to set some boundaries and to put first things first. Your health and well-being really matter because they are your ability to do the work, to show up and teach those kids effectively, to make a difference in the world, to rage against the machine, right? You cannot protest. If you are absolutely, and I know that many teachers do feel this way, if you really hate standardized testing and you are really starting to feel the fire in your belly about wanting to do something about that and wanting to make some political change in the education space, You cannot do that if you are exhausted, if you are burnt out, if you are demoralized, if you are depressed. You can't show up and and make those changes if you've got nothing in your tank. And if you've never lost your health, you may not realize that, but I promise you it's true. You are a person first and a teacher second. You have to look after the person because the teacher can't exist without the person. So this thinking trap of when X happens, when it is this time, then I will look after myself. You know, the way to get out of that thinking trap is just to reaffirm for yourself that you 
don't have to earn self-care through sheer exhaustion. You don't have to earn it. It is not a privilege. It is a right. It is your body. It is your health. It is your life. And you are allowed to look after it. You are enough. You are enough right now, already, always. You are worthy of your own care and nobody else has as vested an interest in your own care, in your own health, your own well-being as you. So please refocus when you catch yourself thinking, oh, I won't take the extra 10 minutes to you know, cook a healthy meal tonight. I'll just get takeaway on the way home because you know, I've got so much to do and I can't afford the time to you know, cook properly. Just catch yourself in that thinking. And remind yourself that it's not true. You can afford that time. If you find yourself thinking about, oh, no, I'll skip the gym today because I, I just have to get through these report cards or, oh, no, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll stay up until 2 a.m. just because I just want to finish. I just want to make this a little bit better. I just want to revise this. And, you know, if you're catching yourself in those thinking patterns, just acknowledge it. Be really kind to yourself. It's okay, we all do it. And then remind yourself that actually it's a trap. It's not true. Your ability to do the work actually does depend on whether you have adequately taken care of your physical and emotional health. And if your body and your mind is sending you signals that you need to be looking after yourself, please listen, you are worthy. You do not have to earn your self-care through sheer exhaustion. Just remind yourself of that. Okay, and thinking trap number three is when you get stuck in all or nothing thinking. And either you are sticking to your healthy habits all the time and once you slip up, you throw the whole thing in. That's probably my biggest problem. I, I am getting better at it over time, but this is, this is the one that continues to sabotage me. Um, now, a word about this, about this all or nothing thinking. Habits researcher and author Gretchen Rubin she says that some people are abstainers and some people are moderators. And by that, she means that some people are able to, for example, have just one square of chocolate and then put the block away. And then tomorrow, they'll have just another one square and then they'll put the block away. And then tomorrow, the day after that, they'll have one more square of chocolate and put the block away. Many people, including myself, really struggle with that, though. You know, they find it easier to just have no chocolate at all because once they have one piece, they eat the whole block. Now, I'm using food as an example because I think it's the one many of us understand. Um, and by the way, if you figure out that you are an abstainer, somebody that you know finds it easier to have none rather than have one or a little bit of something, um, just remember that it's not about trying to make yourself into a moderator or vice versa, by the way. It's just about accepting yourself as you are. Name it to tame it, remember? Notice it, acknowledge it, and be okay with it. And then work with that tendency of yourself instead of against it so for me i don't try to moderate my intake of potato chips i just really need to cut them out altogether because it's not you know it's, it's true that all things in moderation but moderation is so difficult for me with potato chips and there really isn't any positive to eating just a few of them anyway so i'll just cut them out right and then i don't have to think about it but this doesn't just apply to food it obviously does apply to food for most of us, but it can also apply in many, many areas of life. And in my experience, I can be an abstainer in one area and a moderator in another area. Or even I can be, I, there are some like potato chips, I just need to be an abstainer with, 
But there are other things like alcohol that I can moderate fairly well. I, For whatever reason, I'm okay with just having one glass and no more. But alcohol is one of those ones that some people really just need to say, no, I can't have any because if I have one, I'll have way too many. So it's not a hard and fast thing. It's not like you're an abstainer all the time forever. Well, you might be, but a lot of people will find that they have that abstainer kind of thing going on in one area and the moderator thing going on in another area. And that's okay. Um, So I just want you to, you know, reflect on that and think about where you are a moderator and where you are an abstainer. And if you notice that you're a moderator, you know, for example, you can have just one Tim Tam and leave the rest of the packet for tomorrow. Cool. Great. That's an area where this is fine, right? But maybe you notice that if you skip your workout on Monday, because, you know, the staff meeting ran late or something, then you often use it as an excuse to do no exercise for the rest of the week or even the rest of the month. (laughs) Um, Or maybe you stay up a bit past bedtime on a school night because you watched an extra episode of something on Netflix and then you get to the end of that episode and you go, oh, well, I already missed bedtime. Might as well finish the series. Next minute, it's 2 a.m. and you're wide awake wondering how can you possibly wait until next season to find out what happens because it ended on a cliffhanger. Whatever area it is, many of us do this. This is a really common human behavioral thing. We completely sabotage ourselves after just a little slip or sometimes an unavoidable interruption of our healthy habits. And it's that all or nothing thinking. So we think that because we couldn't do all of it, because we couldn't be perfect, it's perfectionism you know, in and of itself, um, because we couldn't do all of it, we'll do none of it. What I find really interesting, though, is that most of us don't do this in all areas of life. There are likely lots of places that you are comfortable with the discomfort of having been imperfect or inconsistent and you don't throw the whole thing away. For example, if you drop your phone and it gets a small crack in the corner, I'm guessing you don't then throw it on the ground and stamp on it until the whole screen is completely smashed. Most people wouldn't do that. They go, right, okay, I've got a small, tiny little chip in the corner of my phone screen, but I'll just keep using it and I'll try and be really careful. Or, for example, what if you fall asleep and forget to brush your teeth one night? I'm guessing you don't then get up the next morning and decide to never brush your teeth ever again because you were such a failure for forgetting to brush your teeth last night. You probably don't even think about it. You're probably like, okay, well, I'll brush my teeth this morning, obviously, uh, and I'll just try and remember to brush my teeth before I go to bed tonight. I'll be extra careful with that, you know? Like, you don't beat yourself up about it. You don't make a big deal out of it. You just go, okay, I forgot. Oh, well. Nothing has meaning but the meaning that we give it, right? And this all or nothing nothing thinking is just a trap in the way we think. We don't have to believe it. You don't have to believe everything that you think. But it's also like it's a bit of a paradox. It's also the case in reverse. When we're, because obviously they were just talking about sticking to healthy habits, keeping them going. But it's when we're trying to add new healthy habits as well, many of us struggle to do it sustainably because we try and do all instead of nothing. We notice we've been doing nothing and so we try and, you know, do all of it. We try and do too much too soon instead of changing just one habit at a time. Like instead of just changing our eating habits to be more healthy, we also add in a whole new rigorous gym program and do a declutter your whole house in 30 days challenge in the same, you know, month. By day five, the whole thing starts to get a bit wobbly because it's lots of change all at once. By day 10, we're pretty much back into our old habits. And that's pretty much why most people's New Year's resolutions don't work because it's too much too soon without a plan or with a completely unsustainable plan. And 
I think I mentioned it already, let this be a reminder to you to sign up to my newsletter and follow on social media so that you can get the updates because I have a gentle New Year's resolution program coming up in the new year, uh, funnily enough, and you know, it's to help you with some sustainable care, self-care habits through January to set you up for the rest of the year as well. So go and sign up for that. Go and sign up for the newsletter so you don't miss the updates about that. If this is something that you notice in yourself that you think, yeah, you could use a little bit of accountability around. And if you find that you do run into the all or nothing trap with your healthy habits, the way to get unstuck is just to remind yourself to, to pace yourself. It's that old adage, slow and steady wins the race. Or how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. <laughs> Don't try and change all your habits at once. Don't choke on the elephant. <laughs> Just choose one. Do it really well. And then once that habit is on autopilot, then you can add something else, another new habit. So for me, this is really relevant right now. I have been working very, very hard on my sleep. Uh, in the, and I say working very hard. I mean, I've been making some conscious and deliberate changes to try and support me to have really good, healthy, quality sleep. And now that I feel like that's starting to tick along more more easily, uh, I am refocusing again on my food because that had really slipped and I can definitely notice a difference in my digestion. So I'm going back to the, the gut, you know, healthy gut, good microbiome stuff. And um, because I feel now that the, the sleep is starting to be a bit more consistent and, and I can shift my focus a bit. It doesn't need so much focus to keep that going now. It's starting to be not completely on autopilot, but it's getting there. There's also, I like the metaphor of the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. And I particularly like it in this case because I like to also remind myself and remind you that while we're on that journey of a thousand miles, we have to remember that the obstacle is the path. The temptation to slip up, you know, to eat the whole packet of Tim Tams or to let your good habits slide, you know, it's all part of the process. The obstacle is the path. And if you do slip or something does unavoidably interrupt your normal schedule and that makes you miss a workout or lose sleep or something, remember that you can just carry on with the journey without letting it throw you completely off track. So the solution to the all or nothing thinking is just to remember that every journey begins with one step and then another, one foot in front of the other, and that the obstacle is the path. And one final word about obstacles in the path. You know how they say that courage is not the absence of fear, it's being afraid and doing the thing anyway? Well, self-care is not the absence of any stresses or problems or obstacles. It's a trap to think that we'll only practice self-care when life is perfect, right? And self-care is not all massages and manicures and med meditation sessions where your mind is actually clear. Most of the time, more often than not, it's chores and eating vegetables and meditation sessions where your mind has thoughts the whole damn time. That is the self-care. That's the process. The obstacle is the path. Even more than that, sometimes self-care is looking at the hardest, most difficult parts of yourself and your life and examining your own habits and patterns that are contributing to landing you in that situation and owning the parts and the places where you have the power to make change. So remember coming back to what can you focus on? What are you in control of? All the while, you have to be exceptionally gentle with yourself in your own mind. And gentle doesn't mean letting yourself off the hook, by the way. 
it means acknowledging that something might be difficult or painful or uncomfortable and finding ways to support yourself and comfort yourself in the midst of that pain. That's what gentle means. It doesn't mean letting yourself off the hook. So sometimes, if we continue with this metaphor, sometimes the path is relatively smooth and those times you might just have to tend to the weeds around the edges, but things are pretty easy. Other times you might need to watch your step because there are obstacles and you don't want to trip. Other times the obstacles may be so big that you have to bring in a backhoe to help you move them. Radical landscaping is sometimes required. And sometimes there's a mountain in your path and you are exhausted, but you can either stay stuck, start to climb, or learn how to make a tunnel. They're your options, right? I know you're tired. I know you are. So whichever part of the path you find yourself on, be very kind to yourself. The self-care that you need at each stage of the path will be different. And sometimes the self-care will be painful. It will, I'm sorry. But it doesn't mean it's not worth it. It is. You are a person first and a teacher second. You're a person first and a student, a parent, a child, a spouse, a sibling, a friend, an engaged citizen of the country, of the world second. You are worthy and deserving and entirely allowed your own care. So let that be the message that you take with you for the break between seasons of the podcast. May the rest of your 2018 go very smoothly And I hope that you will join me on the social media and via the newsletter so that you can be the first to know about any announcements and have early access to things like early bird prices for programs. Remember to leave a rating and review in the podcast app uh, and support the show on Patreon for as little as $2 a month. And remember that you can reach out if you have a teacher story about health or well-being or your challenges that you've overcome. If you'd like to share it on the next podcast season, I would love to hear from you. I would love to have you on the show. So until next time, remember that you are a person first and a teacher second and you are worthy of your own care. See you later. Thanks for listening to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast. If you've enjoyed it, go ahead and subscribe in your chosen podcast player so you don't miss an episode. I'd love it also if you would leave a rating and review in iTunes and share it with your friends. This really helps the podcast reach more people and together we can spread the message of teacher wellbeing to create thriving school communities. Show notes for this episode can be found at selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash podcast. You can also find me at facebook.com forward slash selfcareforteachers and on Instagram my handle is at selfcareforteachers. So come along and follow me there. 